Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that through the Lord Jesus Christ, you have set us free from our old life of sin. We thank you, Lord, for the joy, for the blessing, for the privilege that it is to be your servants. And so we pray now as we come to your word here in Romans, that you will grant us understanding through your word. And we pray that you would indeed help us to live lives of righteousness, trusting the Lord Jesus as we look forward to eternal life. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, who or what is your master? Who or what are you serving? Whose slave are you? I think for most of us, the idea of serving someone is maybe not the most popular idea that uh, we have. Uh, That's probably why uh, the movie Frozen, when it was released, was the fifth highest grossing movie of all time. They collected just 1.3 billion US dollars. Uh, It still ranks number 19 of all time, although Avengers Endgame and a few others like Avatar have since surpassed it. But I think it's probably got a lot to do with that really catchy song, which is probably going to be stuck in your head for the rest of the day. Uh, You remember the lyrics, don't you? Next slide. It's time to see what I can do. Test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free, let it go, let it go, can't hold it back anymore. Let it go, let it go, go away and slam that door. I don't care what they're going to say. All right, you know the rest of it. Enjoy that for the rest of today. It's my gift to you. (laughs) Now, it's a cry for freedom, isn't it? Uh, And that's probably why I think it resonated not only with the children, probably, who wanted to be free from the rule of their parents, you know, that oppressive control, but also it resonates with us too. Because deep down, we want to be free, don't we? we? We want to be in charge of our own life. We don't want other people telling us what to do. We want to be free to pursue our own happiness. We want to be free to do what I want to do when I want to do it with no one else getting in my way, whether that's my parents, whether that's my friends, whether that's my school teachers, whether it is the society uh, around us. And maybe that's why a lot of us had a very difficult time with COVID and all the lockdowns. I want to be free not to wear a face mask. or I want to be free to go out when I want to go out. How can you tell me not to do it? And I think that's why uh, this morning I've chosen this passage from Romans chapter 6, because uh, God wants us to understand in this passage today that actually none of us is truly free. We all serve something, and actually living for ourselves, being free to do what I want to do, is actually not freedom at all, not true freedom. We see in this passage true freedom is only found in submitting our lives in service of the Lord Jesus Well, before we come to Romans 6 itself, let me just paint the context for us. Of course, in Romans 1 to 4, Paul has been uh, explaining the good news of the gospel. It's a gospel that liberates us from sin and death. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, Verse 10 says, None is righteous. Uh, These opening chapters tell us that we suppress the truth about God. We like to go our own way, making ourselves in charge. And then verse 10 there at the top says, 
this results, we've already charged all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. That doesn't mean that we are sinners. We're all sinners, of course. But under sin means that we are slaves of sin. We are under the power and control of sin. We are caught up in captivity to our own sinful desires. And of course, Romans tells us that our sin makes us guilty before God. It makes us deserving of God's righteous wrath. And being slaves and captive to this, there's nothing we can do to rescue ourselves. Our own good works, our own religion, it won't set us free from the judgment of God. But of course, Romans 3 also tells us the wonderful good news of the gospel, that Jesus came to set us free. He came to die in our place to take that punishment we deserve. And again on that verse, it says that we are justified as by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And so Jesus comes and he dies on the cross in our place. He takes the punishment that we deserve for our sins. So now we are justified. Now we are declared in the right with God. No longer guilty, but innocent. So that as we put our faith in Jesus... We are now in a right relationship with God. We are truly free. And Romans 5 brings out the implications of this. We have peace with God. God's love has been poured out into our hearts. And we've been given an unshakable hope for all of eternity. We don't fear God's judgment at the end because we know he loves us now. And he'll love us in eternity. Jesus' death is effective. One for many Just as Adam's sin leads to death for us all, Jesus' righteousness, Jesus' death, leads to salvation for all who trust in him. And just before this passage, we're told that Jesus' death is not just meant to save us, but it's actually meant to transform us too, so that we leave our old life behind and live a new life for the Lord Jesus. And so in Romans 6 and verse 6, we can go to the next slide now. Romans 6, 6, sorry, back, yes. Romans 6, 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. You see the message of these opening chapters? The gospel has set us free. We're no longer slaves of sin, but we are now free to live lives of righteousness in service of King Jesus. And so with all that context in mind, we now come to our passage today. And one of the most common objections that people have to the gospel, uh, it's there in verse 15. Verse 15 says, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? The objection is saying this, if we're saved by grace, if we're saved simply by trusting in Jesus and by nothing that we ourselves do, not our own moral goodness, not our own religious observances, if it's all by grace, does that mean that I have a ticket, a free ticket, to do whatever I want with no consequences at all? So does the gospel actually encourage you to sin? You can just live however you want because after all, you just say a sinner's prayer, you're forgiven at the end. Now, I hope you see that's actually quite a serious objection, isn't it? Because if Christianity makes no difference to how you live, or in fact, it actually makes you a worse person as a result, then it's probably not true, is it? How can it be good news if it makes you into 
a worse person. Well, look how Paul answers the objection in verse 15. What then are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. He says it in the strongest possible terms. Absolutely not. The gospel doesn't make you sin more and more and more. If that's what you think, if you think Christianity gives you a free ticket to live however you want, then you have got it completely wrong. It's actually quite the opposite. The gospel brings you freedom to live for righteousness. Because a life of of sin is actually not real freedom at all. Only serving Jesus brings us true freedom. So let's understand then the first point this morning. We all serve somebody. We all serve somebody. I think often uh, we like to pretend that we are perfectly free, that we're, you know, we are free to make our own decisions. And, you know, there's a sense that that's the case. If I decide, wanted to decide randomly now to start jumping up and down on the stage, I mean, I, I suppose that I could do that. It would be a little bit strange for me to do that, but I, I suppose I could make a decision like that. But we're not really free in every way, are we? Uh, Paul wants us to see here that living for myself is actually not true freedom. It's actually another form of slavery. Living for myself is not real freedom. It's actually another form of slavery. Because we all serve somebody. It's just who we serve that is the question. So look how he says in verse 16. He says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one that you obey, either of sin which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. You see, you've got a choice. We all serve someone. It's just a matter of which choice you make. You can be a slave of sin, you can serve sin, or you can serve righteousness. We can be slaves in living for what we want, or we can be slaves of living for what God wants. But either way, you have to serve something. There's no such thing of being free in that way. To think that we're free, that we can really do whatever we want, whenever we want, is actually a deception. Because there's not, there are so many ways that we are actually not free, isn't it? Uh, you know, you can't change your age, uh, unfortunately. I mean, you can, I guess it will increase by itself. But you can't go backwards, can you? You can't change who your parents are. Some of you might want to do that. You can't change what country you were born in. Uh, you can't choose to live outside the bounds of gravity. I mean, I suppose, suppose you could go to the moon or something. You can't, you're not free to turn yourself into an elephant. You know, we're not living in magic land. But of course, most fundamentally, you're not free to be good by yourself. Because before we come to Christ, we all have a sinful nature, don't we? And Jesus says in, in John chapter 8, Truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And we're all sinners, which means before we come to know Jesus, we're all slaves of sin. That's true, isn't it? Uh, if you think it's not true, then I set you a challenge here this morning. I, I, give, I want you to go for the next 24 hours uh, and until you know, 11 o'clock uh, Monday morning without sinning a single time. Always loving, you know, never bitter as you wake up on Monday morning to go to work and you meet your students at Dalap or wherever you're going to. Always 
pure, always patient, never proud, never greedy for anything, never selfish in any possible way, never lose your temper, always generous, always perfectly truthful, not even a white lie, and obeying the road rules too. You can't do it, can you? Not even something as simple as 24 hours. I mean, I guess probably most of us will probably sin even before the end of this sermon. I mean, some of you might want it to finish earlier. (laughs) When we decide to live for ourselves, we're actually enslaving ourselves to our own desires. And if we're a slave of sin, then we can't by ourselves live the holy and righteous life that God wants. We're we're like addicts addicted to sin. Imagine that there's someone who's addicted to alcohol, right? And you decide to get, you know, a can of beer and put it in front of them on the table. Uh, Now, are they going to make a real decision to take that that beer? Yes, they're going to make a real decision. But there's only one thing they're going to decide, isn't it? They're going to take the beer because they're a drug, they're an alcoholic. They're going to take and drink the beer that's put in front of them. That's what we're like, you see. We're addicted to sin. We're slaves to sin. We can't stop ourselves. And so what we think will actually give us freedom, which is living for our own desires, actually ends up enslaving us. Just think about it for a moment. If your heart's desire is to have a good career, have a happy family, comfortable life, then actually those desires are going to end up enslaving you, aren't you? You're going to work harder and harder and harder to actually rise up in that career, or or you'll try and get more and more money so that you can have and keep that comfortable, prestigious life that you, uh, that you want to have. And, and, and at the same time, you're going to have to try and juggle things so that you can actually love your family as well. And you're going to find yourself very quickly enslaved. And that's the same with any desire, whether I idolise having good looks or I idolise my marriage or money or my children or control in my life or the approval of others or whatever my particular idol is or my particular desire is. Those things will, will enslave us. They will force us to serve them. Now, sometimes people don't want to become Christians because they know that if they do, that their life will have to change. Now, they know, for example, they won't be able to drink like they used to with their work colleagues. Maybe they can't have the life of sleeping around that they used to have uh, or whatever it is. They know that when they become a Christian, their life needs to be different. And so they don't do it. They don't, they don't want to leave those sins and have this different life of being self-controlled and other person-centred and, and, and generous. But if you think about it, those things that actually stop them from becoming Christians, are they really good things? I mean, materialism, living purely for money instead of the relationships with people around you. Or pornography, people get addicted to their own pleasure Careerism, living every, every moment for my work. Are those really such things that's going to bring you liberation and happiness and joy? Of course the answer is no, isn't it? And you see that where people get to the pinnacle of their jobs and careers, especially celebrities, they're generally not as happy as we all expect them to be. In fact, as we look around us at the non-Christian world around us, what we find are broken families 
We see corruption. We see people who are desperate and despairing. We, pe- we see people who are suffering with depression and anxiety. We see a society that wants to change and become better, but never can. See, the life of sin is a life of slavery. It's one of destructiveness. Our sinful desires promise to bring us happiness, but in the end they just trap us. They can't deliver. Pornography is such a good example of this, isn't it? It's so addictive. You keep telling yourself, it's just this time. I won't look at it again. I'm going to really give it up this time. But then the next day, there you are, doing the same thing again. Trapped, enslaved, addicted. You see, the life living for yourself is not freedom. It's actually slavery. So that brings us to the second point then. Jesus died to set us free. Jesus died to set us free. Jesus comes to set us free from that old life of sin that we may enjoy true freedom living for him. Look with me at verse 17. Uh, It says, uh, next line, Thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. So the wonderful good news of the gospel is that we can indeed be set free from that life of slavery to sin. It doesn't have to be stuck in that cycle of sin and destructiveness forever. We can be rescued from our own desires. And we can be given a new master, a good master, a better master. See, as Jesus dies on the cross, he he rescues us from the power and the bondage of sin. Jesus dies on the cross in our place. He brings us forgiveness and he sets us free with a new heart, with the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, that we may truly choose to live a righteous life for him. We have a new master. We have a new heart. We have a new life. We are changed within so that we are compelled no longer to live for ourselves but for God. Think about it this way. If, if God so loved us that he sent his only son to die on the cross, he, he rescued you from, from an eternity of conscious torment. If he has done so much for us, then how could we not live for him? How can we not offer our lives joyfully to him in service? I mean, just imagine a person who has accumulated such a massive debt that they could never possibly repay it. Uh, And and they're thrown in prison until they could repay the debt. Of course, Jesus tells a parable like this. But someone comes and repays the debt for them. They can now be released from that imprisonment. Would not the person who was saved from that debt be forever grateful? Would not that person do everything they can uh, in thankfulness uh, to serve the one who helped them? Imagine someone who's gone through a kidney transplant. You know, without the kidney transplant, they're eventually going to die. Would they not be eternally grateful to the person who gave up their organ so that they could live? Of course they would be. It would be life-transforming to go through that. And so for us with the gospel, the gospel not only uh, rescues us from God's judgment that we deserve, but it liberates us. It changes our heart from the very 
very, uh, from the inside. The gospel melts us as we know the love of God so that we live different lives. Lives that please God. Lives of righteousness. We are compelled to serve Jesus. We are slaves of righteousness. Verse 17 says, through Jesus, we've become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. He's saying here that, that something has happened to us. Something has changed us. See, if a, if a child has been committed to the care of their grandparents, for example, then the child itself didn't do anything. Something has happened to them. They have been committed to the care of their grandparents. And so with the gospel, when God saves us, we're committed to a standard of teaching. We are committed to the life of the gospel. Something happens to us. We're changed so that we're brought under the rule, the control of the gospel. Another way of saying that is when we are saved as Christians, we are saved for a purpose. We are saved to serve. And that's the next point. We are set free to serve Jesus. Verse 18 says, Having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. See, we are saved from that old slavery of sin to serve Jesus. Now, what we see here in Romans 6, it actually reflects the pattern that you see in the Old Testament. Now, do you remember in the Exodus, Israel are slaves in Egypt. They suffer terribly under the oppression uh, of the Egyptians. They groan under the burdens as they are worked to death as slaves. Uh, they weep as Pharaoh cruelly kills their firstborn, uh, their male babies. And Israel, as they uh, experience that slavery, they long to be free, of course. And, and so God rescues his people. He raises up Moses. He sends those ten plagues to, to inflict judgment on the Egyptians. And it all climaxes in that very last plague. Uh, the death of the firstborn son. And, and so God instructs Israel to kill a perfect lamb, to paint its blood on the doorposts of their houses. And, and that night, the lamb dies. The perfect lamb dies as a substitute in their place. And the result, they are set free. They, that very night, they go out from slavery in Egypt. No longer to serve Pharaoh anymore. But are they then free? Are they then free to live however they want? Yay, no more Egyptians. That's all party time. No. God saves them to serve him. He, he brings them out of Egypt, but he brings them to Mount Sinai. He gives them his law. They're saved to live out his commands. His laws that would bring them true freedom and life. And blessing. And you see, with Jesus, it's far greater than what happened to Israel. Because our slavery to sin is far worse than any slavery to Pharaoh. Our sin brings us eternal condemnation. Our sin will send us to hell. And Jesus has rescued us with a far better sacrifice than a perfect one-year-old lamb. His own life, his own blood shed on the cross as the perfect Passover lamb. And so like Israel, we're not just saved so that we can live however we want. It's not party time. We're saved to live out our lives under the rule of Jesus.
See, when, when you become a Christian, you don't only receive Jesus as your saviour. You receive Jesus as your Lord, as your king. You say to Jesus, from now on, I will serve you. From now on, you are in control of my life. Remember the teaching of Jesus in Mark 8, 34. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. We say to Jesus, you're in charge now. I'm going to do what you do. I'm going to go where you want me to go. My life is in obedience to you. Because we know that as we give our life to the Lord Jesus, as we submit to his perfect rule, that's going to result in true life and blessing. Serving Jesus is perfect freedom. Because God made us and God loves us. And God has shown that without a doubt by sending his son to die for us. Do you remember Romans 5? It's just before this passage. It's a wonderful verses. We read there, while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. One will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, we're brought under a wonderful master, a loving master, who would give his life for us. Now, let me try to illustrate it in this way. Is a fish out of water truly free? Is a fish out of water truly free? Last night I had dinner at the Fisherman's Wharf and my children, to their great dismay, they watched as the various uh, you know, fish were taken out of the tanks to become people's dinner. The fish were not happy as they were removed from their tanks. Is a train off the tracks free? Is a train off its tracks free? We've just seen a devastating crash over in Europe as a train left its tracks. No, when is the fish free? A fish out of water will die. A train off the tracks will be destruction. A fish is free when it's in the ocean, as God intended it to be. A train is free when it's running on the tracks, as its maker intended it to be. And so for us, true freedom is not found in breaking free from God's rules so that we can live however we want. That's a good definition of sin, isn't it? True freedom is being saved to be who, what we were always intended to be, made in the image of God, living under his good rule, bringing him glory as his servants. See, it's living for Jesus is the life of true freedom. Living for self is the lie of Satan that will make you a slave. It's almost a paradox, isn't it? True freedom comes by becoming a slave of Jesus. True freedom comes by being a slave of righteousness. True freedom comes by putting yourself under a good master. Now, Paul says in verse 19 here, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. Because, of, of course, when he says that we're now slaves of righteousness or we're slaves of God, it's not a bad thing that he's talking about here, is it? I mean, perhaps when we hear that language of slavery, we think of slave ships and, and beatings and violence and you know, all the stuff that happened over in the Americas or down uh, in, in Africa and so on, the kind of slavery that Christians fought hard to see finally abolished, praise God. King Jesus is not like that. Uh, 
Being a slave of Christ is not being oppressed and abused by Jesus or anything like that. No. He loves us. He laid down his life for us on the cross. Serving him is wonderful. It's beautiful. It's a blessing. It's for our good. So we all serve somebody. Uh, Either we can live for sin or we can live for Jesus. That leaves us with a choice. So the third point this morning, which master will you choose? Which master will you choose? See, this is the decision that we all must make. Who will be, you be a slave to? Who will you offer yourself to in service? Who will be your master? And that's a very important decision because we're told here that choice will have drastic consequences now and into eternity The first option is we continue as a slave of sin. We continue to live for ourselves as though that's going to bring us true happiness and fulfillment. But look again at verse 19. He says, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. Paul tells us if you choose sin, if you choose impurity, then what it's going to do is set you on a downward spiral that's just going to make things worse and worse and worse. It's so ironic, actually, because remember the, uh, the objection back in verse 15, I think the next slide. The objection was, are we to sin because we're not under law but under grace? You know, that, that is... Does, does the Christian gospel actually make you in a worse person? Does it, does it encourage you to sin? Because I'll I'll be able to live however I want since I'm saved by grace and not by works. But Paul tells us here, the opposite is actually true. It's when when we're living for our own sinful desires under the law. That's when we're going to be in the downward spiral of sin. Not when you become a Christian. Because when we break God's law, it encourages us to do it more and more and more. Because our sin enslaves us. So that our hearts begin to love sin and choose sin more and more and more in our lives. And so the life of choosing sin actually sends you in this downward spiral. And at the end of that downward spiral, we're told, is death. Verse 20. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. Again, do you see the irony? When we live for our own desires, the only thing that you are free from is righteousness. And that's not a freedom that we want. Now take a moment to uh, reflect with me on your life before you became a Christian. Think about what, what it was like. How is it different to now? Was that a kind of life that you are really proud of now as you look back? Now, I'm pretty sure as you look back there are plenty of things of which you are now deeply ashamed of. Maybe some of us have got some real skeletons in the closet. We know the anger and the bitterness. We know the pure selfishness and drivenness for ourselves the, at the expense of others. Maybe you can remember some of the biting words that we said or the lust and the greed that uh, captured our hearts. Yeah, sure, we weren't as evil as we could have been back in those days. It could have been worse and there are worse people around us. But, but truly, as you look back on that non-Christian life, is that really a life that you are proud of? 
that really a life that you miss? It was not a good way to live, was it? And of course, there's a judgment day. If you persisted in living that way, the end of it would have been you die and then you'll face Jesus as your judge and you'll have an eternity in hell. The point here is slavery to sin is bad now and it's bad in eternity. So why would you continue to choose slave as your master? But the gospel sets us free. We're given a different choice. The gospel makes it possible to have this different kind of slavery, to serve King Jesus, which doesn't lead you on a downward spiral of sin leading to death, but a spiral of godliness that leads to eternal life in the end. Look at verse 22. Now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. So as you put your trust in Jesus, as you become a slave of God, the fruit in your life is sanctification. That that is, every day you're being made more and more and more like the Lord Jesus. We start to share in that holiness that God himself has. Now, sure, we're all works in progress. None of us here claim to be perfect people. There's still plenty of remnants of our sinful nature left over. But day by day, step by step, we're slowly becoming more and more and more like the Lord Jesus. More loving, more gentle, more patient, more kind, more good, better. See, serving Jesus leads to a holy life and in the end, eternal life, eternity in relationship with God, in that new creation where there's no more sin, There's no more death, there's no more division, there's no more wars or disease or despair or destruction. The end of following Jesus is an eternal life in perfect relationship with God and others. What a blessing. What better life could there possibly be than living for the Lord Jesus as our King? I think the problem with living for ourselves is that the pleasures are actually very temporary. And that's why it's so enslaving, because no matter how much money you actually manage to accumulate, it's never enough, is it? Because you can always do with a bit more. Or no matter how successful you become, we all still crave the approval of others. There's still more people to impress, or at least to retain their respect. No matter how many times you lust after pornography, you're still going to want it again. And again, it's an empty life. It's a dark spiral. It's the lie of Satan deceiving us again and again. You'll be happier if you do it your way instead of God's. And it may be happy for a moment, and it will be misery afterwards. But living for Jesus, it's beautiful. It's marvellous. It's breathtakingly good. It will bring you real joy in your heart. It will give you real hope for the future, even in the darkest of situations. And so much more. Serving Jesus leads to life. So which master will you choose? As you look at the results, it should not be a difficult choice. Well, we have the summary in verse 23 then. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. If you live a life of sin, then you will get what you deserve. Death. 
But the free gift of God is eternal life. So you put your faith in Jesus, God will graciously give you what you don't deserve, what you cannot earn. And that is eternal life. And, and we can be really sure of this eternal life. We're, we're coming up to Easter in just a few weeks' time. This Hope Explored we're doing in the lead-up to Easter. And, of course, at Easter we're going to remember that the basis of our hope, the basis of our, our, our looking forward to eternal life is that Jesus is risen. The, the, the tomb was empty. The women went there and his body was not there. They saw him face to face. The disciples touched him. They watched him eat food. He wasn't a ghost. He is truly alive. And that means that in the light of eternity, serving Jesus is the best way to live. And so let me encourage you to begin that even this morning. Enjoy the perfect freedom of living under the rule of Jesus. And listen again to that exhortation from verse 19. Just as you presented your mo- just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness, leading to sanctification. Our members are our body parts, right? So saying, as you once used your hands to do all kinds of evil things, now use them to serve Jesus. As you once used your feet to run after self-indulgence, Now use them to follow King Jesus. As you once used your eyes to seek after your own sinful nature, now use them to seek after the Lord Jesus. Jesus sets us free so that every part of my body, every aspect of my life, everything that I am and everything that I do can now be offered in service of the one who made and saved me. And the way that we will do that, that we will offer our lives to Jesus, is as we reflect again and again on how marvellous it is that he rescued us through the cross. Which master do you choose? Sin leading to death or Christ leading to eternal life? How may we be truly free? As we conclude, is true freedom found in the philosophy of Frozen? Probably best not to learn uh, your, your life goals from a Disney movie. But anyway, no right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Is that the path to true happiness and life? I hope you can see it's not. That's a lie. That's wrong. The path to true freedom is Christ. So which path are you on now? Which path are you living on right at this moment the road of self that is so empty and dark and enslaving or Christ see we're never meant to find our own happiness in living for ourselves whatever those idols are that we chase after they will never ever be enough I I often uh, in my sermons come back to the sad story of, of Rowan Williams. I think I've told you this before, perhaps, when we did Ruth. You know, Rowan Williams, one of the great entertainers of our time. Such amazing movies. He was uh, so funny. He, he had made a lot of money. Uh, he was very successful. Uh, and uh, many of us would have loved uh, what he did. But, of course, he didn't have the Lord Jesus. And 
Even though on the screen he looked so happy and joyful and jolly, in his heart he was depressed and dark. So much so he was addicted to alcohol and drugs, he had depression, and eventually he took his own life. Despite having all in this world that we would think would make you happy, for him it just led to despair. It was a path of misery and ruin. That is the life of sin. That is the life of living for self. But Jesus doesn't just give us a get-out-of-jail-free card to live however I want, no. If we've truly appreciated what Jesus has done, our whole life will be different. We'll get rid of those sinful desires and we'll live our whole life for him. And as we do so, we will find that actually that brings true joy, true blessing, true happiness. So which master will you serve? Whose slave will you be? Only one will make you truly free. Let's pray. Now, this is a prayer that we can all pray, but it's also a prayer that you could pray if you wanted to become a Christian for the first time. And maybe that is some of us here this morning. Let me lead us in prayer, and you can say amen at the end if you'd like to make it your fault. Dear Father God, thank you for showing me this morning that living for myself is enslaving. I admit to you my sin and my need for your help. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place. Thank you that he took my punishment so that I could be truly free. Thank you that he rose again so that I might have the free gift of eternal life. This morning I want to leave behind that old life of sin and live for Jesus as Lord and King. In response to your grace, help me to live a life of righteousness, a life in service of you. We pray in Jesus' name.